live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Zars podcast, and we are host today, Nate and Paranoid American Thomas. That's me, Paranoid American yeah. Thomas. <laughs> Aren't we all? And we have Ryan... <laughs> Dude, I'm so I'm so stoked to talk to you. We have Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond. Thank you, brother, for coming on. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I was speaking about beforehand, I unfortunately limited on time, but I plan on coming back on the show so we can, you know, follow up and, and talk about some things. But I love I love the Paranoid American, right? Like one of the things I've always said that I love the most is and it really does apply more than ever today. It's kind of jaded, but you know, you're if you're not paranoid, you're just not paying attention. It's like there's a thousand reasons to be, you know. I mean, paranoid can be a derogatory term, but it's really just, you know, we're worried. We're worried about what they're that's doing. My tagline, actually. <laughs> that's, that's my tagline: is if you're not paranoid, you're not paying attention. Hey, there you go. I love that. That's one of my favorites. I'm not even sure where that is. There, do you know if that's like attributed to somebody who said it one uh, time? That, that one's sure. a little bit more murky. The the other yeah. one that I like to throw out is total paranoia is total consciousness. Although Thanks. that's a Charles Manson quote. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's an interesting time to be dredging back over some of these old, you know, like whether. Uh, um, I'm just blanking on his name all of a sudden, you know, Unabomber or uh, Kaczynski or, or Kaczynski. Dance. there's all these weird government connections to all this stuff. Hey, there you shirt go. On. So shout out to uh, Bohemian Grove. Oh, yeah, same here. This, this is Donald also Trump. Bohemian yeah. Grove shirt. We didn't <laughs> nice. even coordinate this. It just kind of happened. <laughs> uh, Ryan, this is the first time on. Uh, we're honored to have you, but brother. Why don't you tell our audience the best place to find you? I just, as I always say that the last American vagabond.com is the, the, the hub, the website, that's really where you're going to find links to most. I mean, I would argue literally everything. Maybe there's something that I've, I've missed, but most everything under the umbrella of TLAV can be found there or, or through the website. But you know, these days I, I really want to shout out the support on, on your independent type platforms out there for, you know, groups like sovereign, for example, that are, are still coming up. Like that's Ben Swan's platform that are really just going out of their way to do things the right way and like not tie to Amazon cloud services like Rumble and everything else. And, you know, so I want to, you know, look, if you can watch us through those in the, the Odysseys, the, the sovereigns and so on, but we're on pretty much every platform you can find out there. And we've ne we've just started pirate stream media as kind of a, a, a you know, a adjacent to the T lab. It's its own thing, but with Courtney Turner and Scott Armstrong, who's from rebunked and rebunked is now also under the umbrella of T lab, but Shout you know, out we're trying to, to expand Scott. and so we on. Love Scott. Yeah. Scott's a good man. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Scott is a fellow Oregonian. I, I, I yeah. knew him when he was out here, which is a lot of fun. That, that yeah. sounds actually more complicated than most people might realize to try and do all of this outside of Amazon Web Services. Oh, my God. A lot of those things you just click and, and you're kind of off to the races and you can set up a whole company that does hosting. But really, it's all just Amazon. You're just a facade. But to do outside that, that's commendable. So actually, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to look into that. You said Sovereign. Yeah, uh, it's is, spelled, is I believe. S-O-V-R-E-N, I think is how it's spelled. Okay. It's a little bit reversed, but you're right, though. I mean, it, the way you describe that's perfect, too. It, it really is almost as simple as, like, one click. You know, it's like, oh, just take this door. It's perfect. Everything's set up for you. You know, it's the system. It's the infrastructure. And then I would argue intentionally complicated to not go that route. You know, I worked with uh, SuperU as a platform that was momentarily there and I, I was not i wasn't technically being paid to work with them but i was kind of like advising on the around the back because one of the people that was uh or the primary guy who created it was a supporter of t-lab and just on his own right and so he wanted me to advise and my god and that, i was adamant about that he brought in a lot of high level people that were like right out of silicon valley and, and i'm like butting heads the whole time like no we don't want this or yep. that and it was i mean I mean, he he spent so much money. He, of course, long story. He passed away in a very mysterious way. We don't want to get into that unless you want to. But he was just like spending millions of dollars just to try to circumvent this control structure, and that's probably why this whole thing got you know attacked and shut down. And you know that's what yeah. happens. 
I don't want to nerd out too hard, but yeah, like if, if you're interested in doing those kind of things, the new move of infrastructure as code, where you're using like Terraform and other sort of solutions where you just describe the end state you want for a networking service. A lot of the times you can plug that into non AWS solutions too, mm. but we'll, we'll save that for the, the, the computer nerd uh, podcast. I, I think that's so important though. Like I'm going to say, I have, I have no idea. I don't even I, and you know if I understand what you just said right there. You know, the point okay. is that it's, it's important though, like to, uh, to know it's like the equivalent of knowing how to like work, break down and completely repair your own car as opposed to taking it into an auto mechanic. It's like, absolutely. We need to know these basic things. And I, now code is becoming one of those where we actually understand and how things work i mean i'm i'm well, so and, far and to continue on that. that analogy it, it's also to the point now where depending on your car you don't just bring it to any mechanic you gotta, gotta bring it to the mechanic that's been trained in that particular type of engine right. has the proprietary tools that fit into all the little slots uh, and that don't void your warranty so all that kind of stuff applies in this digital realm totally damn well <laughs> yeah i love what you guys do with the pirate stream stuff um so any of my audience that's listening right now you can literally, if you don't care about your YouTube channel, mm -hmm. you can send it to Ryan and give him the key to access. <laughs> and he uses those because YouTube tries to swat him down so often. Yeah. So it's it's really cool, man. I think that was an awesome idea. And Thank you. I, I wasn't even sure how it was going to flesh out. You know, just so far as I can tell, it seems that Corbett was the second person to pick it up. You know, and we, we did a whole interview about that. And now Corbett's doing it as well. And then I think Grand Theft World is doing it also. And <clears throat> excuse me. When I first started it, I was I wasn't sure. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Like, is there some kind of like a legal thing here? You know, it was it's because it was it still is super taboo. You know, you're not supposed to speak the codes of the keys. And, you know, really for them listening, all you really need to do is reach out to me, email and, you know, tag T-Lab Pirate Streams in the subject. I just log in and password. That's it. But obviously that's that's even there. That's a taboo. You know, make sure it's not something I'm going to fall backward, and have access to your accounts and so on. Like, you know, I'm honest with this you can ask any number of the people that have used it i i even talk to them every time before i use their channels but it's it's a weird line to be crossed you know because people don't know me they think they do because they watch the show and so on i know i'm honest but they don't know that so it's a weird step for them to send this information but the point is that it, it allows us to I, I lined it with pirate stream radio or excuse me pirate radio you know or even for the new generation the matrix and and uh you know the whole broadcasting the pirate stream and the idea is that they're just shutting us down on every single channel we make and I'm didn't I'm I don't want to play the game where we build the new channels every single time. So I just put the call out. I said anybody that wants to do this, reach out. And I just got overwhelmed, flooded with people that were like, "Use mine, use mine." And I'm like, "Are you sure you understand the risks here? Like, you might lose your entire Google. Like, I can unless I'm logging in on like a VPN or but like I'm blacklisted on Google. <laughs> like, it's that's difficult. You know, it's like make sure you understand that. But I think it's important that we fight back in these ways. And trust me, they know about it. I can prove that 15 different ways and the weird ways they're trying to circumvent this with 14 security checks. And it, it's very clear, but I still don't know why they haven't like, I don't know, just arbitrarily made some new rule to stop it. I wonder yeah. why that is, but I hope we all start doing it. Everybody should do it. Heck yeah, man. I mean, cause YouTube unfortunately is where the eyes are. Like as much as you ask your audience to like watch you somewhere else, YouTube for some reason is where the audience is. And, and so we're it, it's unfortunate. Hopefully. And yeah. you know why they don't stop it is because there's a lot of huge corporations and, and large streamers that don't necessarily do all of their own streaming. They're not the ones loading up the software and mm. copying and pasting all the keys in and, and doing all the troubleshooting. You know, they're the on-screen talent. So a lot of the times, if they were to try to enact some kind of very strict thing, they'd be blocking out, you know, the, yeah. the convenience to all of their big players. Uh, so it's it, it would be very hard for them to try and make that more difficult than it is now, I think. I agree. 
because every step in some way undermines a little bit more of their business model and like the reach and the growth. And but that doesn't seem to be a problem these days with Budweiser and Gillette and everybody else just undermining yeah. their own business well, model. For there's a, there's another really interesting one here that uh, we were up with Nate, but on YouTube they announced their new like profanity uh, guidelines to whether or not they'll show you or recommend you or even monetize your your channel. And you're not allowed to say like certain bad words. The F word you can't say in the first seven seconds. Very specific. And I think the last seven seconds. And then otherwise, you can say it anywhere in the middle as long as it doesn't make up what they quote the majority of the content. Now, I don't know if they like <laughs> compare that to the numbers, but there's an exception. And the exception is that if it's part of music, then the, all bets are off. You can still get monetized. You still get the green light. Even if you just blast F word left and right in the first seven seconds in music. And the reason is because there's so many mainstream artists that come right out the gate in the first seven seconds, just dropping every word you could think of. So their own rules, someone was like, oh, God, you know, we can't play any of, you know, the top uh, Sony Music or Universal Music Group or any of these big advertisers that are paying us to just pump their stuff out. So they always work in these little workarounds so that it caters to the, the you know, the bigger audiences that they care about with the paychecks. What do you what do you think that's really about? Like, it's so fascinating, you know, because obviously we, it's arbitrary. It's so clearly just like eh, seven seconds. You know, what music's okay, and like it just doesn't make sense, right? If it was about the word, well, then that wouldn't be okay. So, like, I wonder. It's the same thing with I was just reading about Biden's um, was it article uh, something nine about the transgender. Uh, executive order and and the interesting part about it is is that i'm like i don't even think this really even has to do about to do with woke politics or transgender issues i think it's about shoehorning in just that this is no longer acceptable and tomorrow it's vaccines and next day it's foreign policy it just becomes this line they can draw using all this irrational mentality to be like this is now not allowed and then tomorrow it's wherever that line moves and it feels like the same thing as long as they yeah, can don't, don't let a good tragedy that. go to waste right eric Holden, yeah, I think. right well like as they can solidify that well, you know, even get some people to kind of be okay with it. Well, okay, fine. So no cursing in the first seven seconds. Then it becomes 14. Then it becomes a whole show. Then it becomes this word too. Then it becomes, you know, it's like, it's as they say, a slippery slope. And I think that's what it's really about, personally. That's interesting. I wonder why they care if we curse. <laughs> that's my point. I don't think they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right. Because then it'll be like, if you talk about vaccines, if you talk, well, I mean, it's right. already right. about vaccines. But yeah. Well, yeah, they're absolutely. giving themselves a loophole for their corporate clients, but they're also giving themselves enough leeway to just arbitrarily, kind of like when the cop pulls you over, right? It's kind of within their discretion right. if you're going to jail tonight or not. Even right. if they find you with no license and they find you with drugs and coke and weed and like maybe everything <laughs> up to a gun and a camera on them that shows them seeing the gun that it maybe goes in a different direction but right. cops kind of have this discretionary authority and they can use that however they see fit so i think these these corporate you know youtubes and everyone else that we mentioned tonight all the way up to aws and beyond they all have that same kind of discretion to where if someone tried to fight it back in court they could be like oh but we have these guidelines and since you didn't sing the f word you know and you only right. spoke it and then it gets into this dice of like well technically me talking right now i'm rapping you might not recognize the <laughs> melody think... behind my voice but i'm i've been dropping hot fire bars this entire time right <laughs> And like, who so are you to tell me it that this time. isn't music? Well, I mean, that's kind of that that funny little leeway. And of course, it's like the person that's arguing against the cop. Once the cop says, put your arms behind your back, no time in history has someone talked their way out of that particular sequence of events, right? So it's right. the same thing here. Once you get that big, you know, that spanking, you just kind of have to like ask for forgiveness afterwards. But if, if you find yourself getting spanked, it's happening. <laughs> you make a great point, though, about the, 
I mean, that's that's how this works. That's how the game is played, right? They leave those open doors where, you know, reasonable doubt or, you know, these things like the read the Patriot Act. It's like every other sentence is riddled with something. You're like, what? That can mean literally anything. You know, it's like <laughs> just that's how they yeah. do it. And you're right. It could be like, well, you you know, yes, we said singing is OK, but here's why you're not allowed to sing it in this context, because you're not working with Sony. You know, it's like whatever. That, that's your point. That's it, that's the real fine text, right? They never right. come out and say that, but it's like because you're not working with one of our partners. That's right. that's always <laughs> what the asterisk is. Exactly. Sad. It's everywhere. So, Ryan, I had a I had a couple questions for you, man, as far as like because everyone knows what Ryan Christian does. Ryan Christian is a power packed like. Brother, your show is so like dense with information. It's the best show. Like anyone that wants to catch up with what's going on, Ryan Christian show, The Last American Vagabond is the show to go to. I've sent so many people your way and have turned them onto your show, man, because it's just fantastic. I appreciate um, that. You know, it's, I it's not even I a show, found... it's like an archetype or a template at this point, man. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. Uh, I think I found it through uh, Media Monarchy because uh, James used to play it sometimes in the middle mm -hmm. of like uh, used to show, play your show. And I'm pretty sure that's where I found you. And uh, yeah, so shout out to Media Mon Monarchy. We love James. James. Good man. Yeah, I love James. James. Dude, he's one of my favorites. Uh, great dude. Um, but I wanted to, like you were always talking about uh, you had been a chef, man. And I, mm -hmm. I, have some, I have questions about that. Where were you cooking? Oh, man. I mean, it's all, all over the place. I went yeah. to culinary school in Napa Valley, the Culinary Institute of America for two something years. And and before that, I've been cooking all over the place. I mean, that's what you I heard did. It here. He was in the CIA, everyone. Yeah. He just I know, right? That's, that's like the running joke, right? And it's like, you know, what's funny is today that's even though that's such an obvious joke, that's like the Culinary Institute of America, even that statement made in jest and then explaining still gets pointed at being like, Oh, did you see what he said? Like, maybe the Culinary Institute of America is a secret thing for that. I'm like, my God, maybe. But what the <laughs> hell? Like, these are so many important things happening. And people are, you know, obviously people have a vested interest in going after other people in this in the sphere of whether, you know, whatever. Well, else, there was but... that one lesson about snicking uh, arsenic into people's food, but that just seemed natural, right? <laughs> well, no, I, I just I think that ultimately people are just so quick to, you know, it, it's politics, man. It's team sport politics everywhere. But anyway, back back to your point, though. So the the the. Uh, schooling was i mean just amazing man and that was that was a long time before i wanted to do this or even had thought about doing this i i went to school after i decided that i wanted to do you know wanted to be a chef you know graduated and then got some pretty good gigs i mean i worked in napa valley with some of the best restaurants in the world you know and then i went on and traveled around went back home and and got to a point to where i was in between positions as a cook as a chef and, and it picked up, you know, I, I went traveling, essentially. That's where the name really comes from. But I was in my RV with my buddy and I ended up in Texas and I was a GM there for a while. And, you know, I was kind of just I was just like I wanted to do something different that I didn't know that I was even capable of doing something outside of that sphere. And so basically we were traveling. He started a blog about 49ers or something about football, I think. And I just was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to express myself. You know, I, I've always been a writer. I was, I was, a, I was pub uh, published in a poetry book when I was 16. Nothing since, unfortunately, even though I've tried, but that, that happened. And it kind of like got me excited about writing and so on. And so I wanted to end up to, to pursue this and just started the last American vagabond on some blog.com site. And it just kind of blew up from there. What you were talking, were you asking me about, I forgot what the question was. I was trailing off. It's about cooking or was it about the starting of T lab? <laughs> I, I got blended in there for a second. I was going to get to cooking and then I was going to get to that. But yeah, that's all good, man. That's fine. Well, the, on the cooking so, part uh, of it, then go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to ask some crazy kitchen stories, dude. 
Like, well, let I, me flesh that out that so I don't just end up on yeah. my tangent there. So, so I went to the Culinary yeah. of America and I, and I ended up becoming a chef that, you know, like in my mind, a real, you know, trained, classically trained chef. And then I, I traveled around, you know, picking up different jobs here and there and, and, you know, some amazing experiences. And I'm sure you have, we'll have some shared funny stories about kitchens. Cause it's bad. Can we cuss on this show? Oh, that, yeah. that shit crazy. Yeah. As long as you sing it, we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played. But uh, yeah, but then we, we can get into it after that. I, you know, after doing this so long, I just wanted something different and I wasn't planning to change. It just kind of happened. But go ahead. Let's talk about kitchen stuff. I, I love talking about kitchens. It's, you know, as we used to joke, it's, you know, uh, that, you know, like a, what is it? What was the old joke that you, you party like a rock star without the budget, right? It's, it's mayhem. People that worked in kitchens, it's crazy. Go ahead. What, what, what do you got? Yeah, man. I, I don't know, man. I just, let's, uh, let's, let's share some wild stories. Like, uh, <laughs> like I, I think I've told this story on the show probably a few times. Like I caught my grill guy. He's sitting there in the dry storage with a needle in his arm, oh, just God. ganked out on heroin. And I go over there and I start like kicking him. And he's like, like, are you going to be ready for service? Dude, we have service in an hour. And he's like, yeah, I'll be fine. And yeah, give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, he was fine. He kicked ass. We had, like, we had a bunch of, yeah. Yeah, there, know, there's man, so just... many things. It's, you know, it's funny that people don't really understand. Like, one thing I always point out is that I've worked in, you know, high, high, high-end restaurants. And I've worked at, like, the app, just the slow, you know, in passing, going through somewhere. I pick up a job for a couple of weeks, you know, whatever. Like, like at fi fast, uh, maybe not fast food, but, like, you know, casual dining. And my experience, it doesn't matter what level you're in. The people in the back are the same kind of people. <laughs> now, maybe they have better knowledge on how to do very high-end cooking, but they're the same kind of people that will ultimately do things and hope no one's looking and not, you know, and drop something and whatever else. I, I tell people that. I'm like, you think it doesn't happen in high-end restaurants? You, it does. It All the stuff happens. You don't see it. But yeah, I've, been, I've been some, there's some, you know, alcohol is the biggest thing that I've seen with that experience where you're not, I mean, I've seen the same things you're talking about, but like the most repetitive where, like we would go out with the, the chef like in the morning and on his boat and like go all day, just drinking all day, all morning and then go and cook literally everybody, yeah. everyone's hammered. And it's just like, you know, today, I don't even know if that'd be possible. It's so much more <laughs> depending on what state you're in that for yeah. sure. Like in California, no way. Like there, I was in California when I came up in the kitchen world and you can, you saw how quickly things changed. I, I think I was on the cusp of the sort of like Anthony Bourdain, you know, uh, now I'm forgetting on the, the name of his book. Kitchen Confidential. Thank Kitchen Confidential. That's a book you want to understand their history. And then I was on the cusp of where it was like becoming more corporate and controlled. So I, I got a lot of these old school chefs that kind of like brought me into that still. But it changed a lot, man. Like it's you can't get away with this stuff today. You think so? I still think like the Wild West is like places like, uh, man, like Waffle House. There's still the Waffle House. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, when I first started, it was the Wild West, dude. Like I had a I had a chef that would like, He'd look at the server and be like, is she getting fat? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, go fire her. We're going to get some new hot ones. I was like, all right. He's like, I'll give you 20 bucks if you make her cry. And I'm like, I'm like Seriously. 17 in the kitchen. So I was like, look, you're too stupid to do this. You're not good at this. You're late. <laughs> I was like, all right, 20 bucks. You know, I was just an asshole. What's interesting about it, though, there's you bring two things up there. One thing that comes to my mind is that, you know, I often found like I, I see myself as a as a kind person. I mean, who knows if I'm wrong, but I, I think that I'm a compassionate person. But I tend to think that like the kitchen it's like, it's like other kinds of work. You end up kind of, you know, there's like this consensus or this sentiment that like is what people are and people just kind of fall into it. 
And aren't like I know people that aren't like mean bad people, but when they're in the kitchen, they're they're aggressive and they'll like that. They'll be rude intentionally. And there's like this underspoke under like unspoken concept of like making the servers cry or like making them putting them on the spot. And my my I always thought, and of course, when you're there and you're busy, it, it'd be funny when you're watching, you know. But in retrospect, you're like, why does everybody lean into that? You know, like yeah, it, yeah. I don't know why. You know, it's, I got it's, some it's theories bad. on that actually. So. So the I guess the leading one is that when you're dealing with food, you're dealing with someone's like in your own primal instincts, right? You're no longer in this like higher level abstract concepts where you're talking about marketing campaigns or something. You're actually talking about giving food to people that are hungry, even mm -hmm. at the higher levels, you know what I mean? Like they might not have eaten all day. So and I think just being around food in general, there's something that just hits our reptilian brain that doesn't let us not see this as like a survival um area you know so i so mm -hmm. i think some of like the, the the pretenses of that higher order level of thinking they just kind of go out the door and the other aspect see. of this which i want to get your guys's impression on because i didn't i've never worked directly in a kitchen for a long amount of time i couldn't take the the pressure in the kitchen so i got out right i it's couldn't take the heat very hard but it feels like one of the very few professions that would be left that's completely based on meritocracy. Like even with, with the most nepotism in the world, even if your dad owns the restaurant, his dad owns the chain, if they put you in the kitchen as the chef and you suck, like no one's going to go and eat there and that problem has to resolve itself, right? So yeah. what, what you end up happening is you get these you know wild mates working in the kitchen that are doing crazy stuff and you can't necessarily get rid of them because like the proof is in the pudding, literally, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's, well, it's an artistic field. That's what it really comes down to. It's like having a rock star that you're like, well, he's a rock star, you know, as he does his ridiculous right. drunken whatever, you know, and, you're, and that doesn't apply to any other field. It's the same kind of way, I think, that, you know, you, we all know that I do. And, uh, and you guys give me your opinion on this, too. I see a huge overlap in the independent media sphere with the culinary side of things. And I think that's why. Same with like music, because it's an artistic field. But I, I tend to see it as that is where the chef and the, or, you know, even the cooks, the people involved, if like you said, if they're good at this to the point to where it's like you, you just can't it's un, it's unparalleled. You're you'll allow a little bit of hubris and a little bit of you know anger and and you know get away from me let me do my shit and you're like okay fine just he kills it shut up don't bother him you know it's like as, as even as a manager i was i've been in that position you know and it's you know to kind of fold in the other point that i wanted to make what you pointed out i don't understand why we're in a place where we pretend we've got a free market where is it as insulting as you may think it is and whether you think it's right or wrong where an individual who owns a business can't go up and be like i don't even have to give you a reason i don't want you here you're fired or that, yeah, you're fat and you can't do this and you can't do that. So you're fired yeah. or you're slow or you and it may, it blows my mind. You could think that's mean and insulting, but it's we're coming up to this. I saw a bunch of corporate articles about this, talking about how there's now this fat phobia in the country. And it's it's illogical because, it you know, it's it's actually a unjustified argument that they can't do X, Y and Z. We can do everything they can. And I'm thinking, well, that's not necessarily true. And I think everybody could make their own decisions. You know, I, I I've worked with people in kitchens that are the best cooks I've ever worked with in my life and they will kill family meal, you know, but when it comes to the actual day in day out work, yeah, they're limited by a bunch of different things, whether it's weight, whether it's intelligence, whether it's that they've only got one leg, you know, the point is it comes down to that it totally matters. Right. I mean, we all know that, but now we're at a point where they're like, no, you have to consider them equally, even though it's not equal because fairness, the world's not fair. We all know yeah, that. Yeah, the Go world's ahead. not fair. Yeah. I was just going to say that they can tell you to do that, but it's never going to do that. Like like Thomas said, like the kitchen is about meritocracy. You either right. have it or you don't. It all comes out in the wash. 
right? And so, like, there was something in me where I was just, I, I have ADHD. I have probably a little bit of autism. I, like, hyper-focus on a certain topic for a while. And so, like, food was it for me. I bought, mm -hmm. like, an old copy of Larousse Gastronomique. And I sat there and would go to bed reading it. And I like, it's, I think it's, I, it's uh, hypnotic almost like it's, it becomes yeah. an addiction. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Dude. I just dug into it. I, I also read, I think it's called the soul to chef. It was, it's yes. also one of those books out there. Great book. And um, it was talking about like Galantines and Valentines. Yeah, and, and I had never even heard about Galantine or Valentine. And I was like, what the fuck you take an animal carcass and you turn that into the sausage casing. And then you like poach this thing. And it blew my mind. So I went and bought like a hundred Cornish game hens and over a summer perfected Valentines because I would just, I, I would just, anyways, it's just one of those things where you either put in the time, you either, you either have it or you don't. And, um, yeah, man, it's a fascinating thing. And I, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I mean, it's I'm yeah, pretty glad to be out of it at the same time. But, well, but see, let me ask you this. Are you glad to be out of you're glad to be out of the day in, day out, relentless work on the line? But I bet you're not glad to be away from the artistic side of like, for instance, if you worked at a restaurant <clears throat> where there was no time pressure, which doesn't exist. And every time you had an order and you get to focus on your one thing and you took as long as you wanted, you made it perfect. No yeah. chef in the world would dislike that because if you're in that, you like cooking. And if you don't feel pressured to do it, that's the best possible thing in the world, right? Because you get to enjoy it and you get to, you know, ask everybody, you, you know, I don't know that that is the real cooking side of it. But then you conflate that with the, you know, there's uh, two things with it, though, too. It's because, like, I kind of missed the line. I kind of loved it. The stress right. that like, oh, my God, these tickets go. And then it's like stack, 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 because I was always the person that I could look past it. I could go mm -hmm. into it. I'd be like, OK, there's there's like eight fucking ribeyes on here. There's like six filet mignons. Two of them are well done. OK, you need to get those well done steaks on now. OK, airline chicken breast. Oh, like those are going to take a minute. Yeah, yeah, expediting. Right. And I was able to like look past the weeds, focus, hyper focus. And then just start calling it out when most so much people couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Could, could not do that. They See that? That's a level of intellect. <laughs> that's a level of intellect that I, most people don't have, and it, it's different than necessarily like book smarts or you know, it's 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 able. It's like a um like a like a game theory kind of thing, you know, where you can like see the bigger picture. It's like chess in a way where you can see yeah. ahead. And I thought people realize that that's not something. I almost feel like that's innate to some degree, you know. But, but I'm with you, you know, it's well, but here I would say the same thing, though, is it I loved when you're doing it and you're killing yeah. it. I don't care how busy you are yeah. that you just you got it and it's under control, 40 tickets. But when you get to that point, which we all know where you're like, I'm kind of lost. and it's like, dee, 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 Nobody likes that. Right. Where you're just like yeah. the no, pile of tickets I mean, on the ground and you're like, ah, you know, that's that's the kind of stress that, that I, and I would say that's because of a poorly run restaurant and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. We can talk about that forever, but Dude, that's what the, the calm before the storm when you saw the whole dining room fill up and you haven't yeah. seen a single ticket yet. <laughs> and you know, they're management. all going to come in at once and you're like, Jesus Christ. Okay. Get a glass of water. Right. <laughs> get As ready, a chef, I would prepared. be like, where the fuck is the hostess? <laughs> yeah. I need to talk to you right now. Like nothing else comes in. Like, that's what you have to though. You know? Well, the one that you were describing uh, before, like the prior one where you're killing it and the tickets come in and you can see it in the future. And there's even an extra innate aspect of that where uh, like just to, to give a simplified example, you see like eight steaks up. And you're like, oh, I know that this chef, if I tell him to do all eight, he's going to flip out and maybe leave. So I got to tell him like this amount first and then stagger it and then tell them the next amount so that right. they don't just get up in frustration. You have to like know that extra stuff too. Right. I, I love that though. It, you know, I'm just, it's bringing up all these, it's been a long time for me. 
being in the kitchen and I was just bringing up all these memories, like what you're saying right there. I said, I, you know, you, I can see it where you're, you know, that exactly. You're like, he is on the edge. I can tell he's upset. You know, something got sent back. Bad day. So you, yeah. you give a couple more and then you kind of just sneak one more on. You put one more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take this one too and just walk away. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's just funny because it's, you know, you can't say no, but they kind of can, you know, it's like, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic. I think everybody should have to experience how these things work. It's not unique to kitchens, but it's such an obvious example of like whether it's kitchen. I mean, all of it, really. The back of the house, the front and then kind of the in between. People should really understand how this stuff works. It's like like when I was hiring, one of the most important questions I ask is, have you ever played organized sports? Right. Have you been taught by, you know, hopefully a good coach why it's important to work with other people, why you can't achieve these things all by yourself and so on? You know, because people it's not that they are bad at it if they haven't. Some of the best employees I ever hired are people that, you know, played any kind of sport and they understood why it's not just important to excel at their tables, but to work as a team so everybody succeeds and you all make more money. You know, people just can't think about it like that. Yeah, man. You described I mean, another one of the things. Oh, like, sorry. Go ahead, Thomas. I was going to say, you, you were describing, too, uh, what I would call a flow state before. That's that's Nate killing it in the middle of the heat, right? And even if it's not inside the kitchen, it doesn't seem like every single profession out there allows everyone to get into a flow state. So I think that's that's interesting because, again, like being in a kitchen allows almost everyone or almost forces you to get into a flow state. Otherwise, you'll never be able to hang yeah. with it. But there's also a lot of people out there that maybe don't understand what a flow state is or when they do it, it's only on personal time and not in like their day to day. Would you overlap that with like meditation? Because I almost oh, kind of see it the same way, right? Where you, you well, get like, zone. Like when you shave your head, right? I assume you shave your head frequently to, to keep it nice and, and smooth like that, right? Like it's not a quick process and you don't want to like carve up your head, you know, if you've got like a, a, a blade next to it. So that also turns into like a meditative sort of act where you just check out it's it's like taking a two-hour drive that you got to take every day like nate going right. to work and back and forth where you just show up and you're like oh wow where did the last hour go because right. you completely checked out but i think that's it's almost as important as rem at some points like totally. getting into those flow states brother i'm gonna i'm gonna change your life right now i know what you mean in regard to shaving your head because i used to but you need to look into is what's called the skull shaver it is it is a it is like a, a device that you use and it's but it's it takes 10 seconds i'm not i swear to god it changed my life because <laughs> i used to shave my head every day in the same way and i you know you get the days where you're lazy and it kind of grows out a little bit and i don't like it this thing that's, is just that's today yeah thing. it's like done i'm just i'm telling you you got to look into it it's amazing <laughs> i have no stake in the game i don't i'm not paid by skull shavers so <laughs> maybe that said be. promo code uh right yeah. <laughs> in the description no i just it just it's because somebody who does this people may not realize it but you know it's it's a it's frustrating, especially with beard and whole thing. You know, it's like it takes every day you have to take the time or before my show. It's like, OK, I need to make sure I've got 15 minutes to now. It's just like it takes 10 seconds. It's just it really is kind of one of those time saving things. So look into it. It's good stuff. I just use grain alcohol and light it on fire real quick. <laughs> as long as you don't let it get too long, it's not a big deal. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of the flow state, I think maybe that's what I miss. Like there was an actual addiction to that. Like I mm -hmm. loved working the saute station and having like fucking eight pans going all oh, at yeah. once. I'm pants here in a steak. I got a fish going over here. I got my sauce reducing right here, adding some booze here and just tossing some pasta, just boom, 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 boom. And just timing it and having like that synchronicity that's synchronized in your head. And just, it was maybe one of the funnest, craziest, mm -hmm. most stressful things. But like I found out that I loved stress 
like or, or I, rather that you operate, or I would say rather that you operate stress. well under it probably right yeah. like dude there's nothing that makes you you feel like a fucking god at the end of the night when you oh, just dude. knocked out a stack of tickets this high <laughs> and you're just like everything was on time people came back were like man that was perfect that's I mean, you're just des- you're describing an orgasm right now whether you know <laughs> yeah. or not it's just it's no longer localized to just one appendage you're just describing an orgasm like a for your entire existence right <laughs> so i mean everything changes too because like you probably know this too it's like once you become the chef like I'm not even in the kitchen anymore. Right. I'm sitting there. I'm doing the inventory. I'm sitting there doing. I'm doing the books. I'm making sure you know all that kind of stuff. I'm doing all the ordering, and then you're managing people. So mm-hmm. you're more like dad yeah. because this waiter slept with this waitress, and now there's some drama, and now it's like you know, and the dishwasher he's like 20 minutes late every day, and <laughs> I caught him drinking. Like, what do I do about it? But like now, right. the front of the house manager saw him drinking, so I normally would just be like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They got to pretend like you care more than normal. My dishwashers that would literally, they would have a big old like pitcher that they would have at the end of the night. And like throughout the night, they'd be like throwing half drank glass of wine and half half cocktails, little sips of beer thrown in. And they had this gross. (laughs) That is one of the hardest, most disgusting, most grueling jobs. Like I I, I would say cooking on the line is, is more difficult, possibly even more grueling. It's more skilled. But yeah, in the kitchen, man, like or in the in the like, so I know what you're saying. People might be shocked by that. But like my, my mindset was always this. And it, this aligns pr- with everything that I've ever said about just in general is it, you know, I really don't care what you want to do with your own body, even if you're cooking or whatever else. But the moment, even briefly, that it shows that you are unable to do your job or you're working on yeah. it, you're gone. You're fired. Yeah. Like, because you know that's against the rules, right? But I'm not going to step in and smell your breath and be your father. But the moment, then you know you know what happens, right? And so yeah. the point is that most, you know, like to the people in the kitchen or in the, in the dishwashing, you know, that's I understand, man. I don't want to begrudge them. These people have the worst job in town, but they're willing to do it and they're going to be here. So you, you let it go. But you're right. when you, oh, oh, the front of the house guy know, sees it. So now... Now I got to do something because you yeah, yeah, yeah. act like, you know, it's, it's funny. It's such an itch. I have, I often wonder why there hasn't been more. I mean, there's been a lot of TV shows about kitchens, but none of that I find strike me as like real, like a real it, and like a reality show. Don't ever really one that was recently on that just, is, I, I don't know the name of it, but it's supposed to be fantastic. I'll send it to you after this. Yeah, please do. It's, I love it's that supposed stuff. to be like really like, I maybe it was made by chefs or something. It, it's supposed to be like really accurate. And all my buddies in the industry are like, no, it's actually really good. It's nice. really fucking nice. good. So yeah, I'll send that to you and I'll put it in the show notes for anybody that's listening. And, nice. uh, yeah, man, dude, dishwashers are so valuable. If you have a good, solid dishwasher, I mean, dude, you treat them like a king. Like, <laughs> like at the end of the night, I was sending them back like a couple beers. I was making sure they had a like a big old fat cheeseburger or something Ooh, at the yeah. end of the night. Like every time, dude, you take care of your dishwashers. Yeah. Like I remember at one restaurant, uh, there was a new chef at the spot, and th- th- this dishwasher had been there for literally sixteen years. And he would kind of show up kind of when he wanted to, you know, whatever. But he was good and he was solid and he'd show up every single day and he kicked ass. And the chef just got a hair up his ass and was like, he said something to him about being late. And the dishwasher kind of shrugged it off and he's like, look, asshole, I'm going to fire you. And he goes, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) So like the chef was like, fuck this, went to the owner and the owner was like, look, he's been here before you. He's going to be here after you. Uh, he's 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 that part sucks. of the restaurant and uh 
So no, uh, I'm gonna go get him a beer, and he's gonna go. <laughs> Do to you work. need the Narcan? Here's the Narcan yeah. that we've got for the dishwasher. Yeah. Well, like See, he it, literally had a, an agreement with the owner. She would give him a pitcher of beer every night and a cheeseburger. That's all he wanted. And kick ass in the back and. See, I see what's interesting is that's difficult, though, from like if I were in that position, I mean, if I were the cook, I probably wouldn't have an issue with it if he was doing his job. But it's a hard because you're 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 undermining the chef at that point. Right. So you're not yeah, really in charge. But that's somehow hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you at the very least, you have to empower the person who is in charge of the kitchen to be able to make those choices, you know, when they can step in and be like, nope, nope, because of the you know, that's I, that's just that's not a. That's a point. If I was a chef, restaurant. I wouldn't like that at all. <laughs> yeah. I like chef run restaurants. Like yeah. I like where a chef owns the place, he runs in the kitchen, he's in charge, you know, and there's, but there's still a floor manager that manages the floor, but the chef is ultimately in charge. And there's no other dynamic that truly works because what is a restaurant? It's about food, right? It's about the food, but the execution of delivery and service is just as important. But if you have a, like, I've worked at places where they, de they decide to just get rid of the chef and it's like, you just have kitchen managers. It never, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know. Then you got the kitchen guys. They're like, this fucking guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you don't respect them. And he comes in with his tie and tries to tell you what to do. It's like, it just, well, we know, talked about nepotism earlier. Uh, like there was a guy that, uh, so I was working for a private club, a very exclusive, rich private club. Mm -hmm. And they fired our chef on a Friday. And I've talked about this probably on the show before and so they got rid of my chef and my my co-worker is out of town so it's just me and this new guy they they brought in and his dad is like high level in the club really rich dude this goofball went to one i think he, he might have went to cia uh but he worked, which is not an indication that they're good at not, what they do people listening no <laughs> not at all i worked and then he that. worked at like i think the hyatt or he worked at like one of these places but he was like the pool manager and because he had went to this nice culinary school, his dad is rich, and he had worked at this like high end spot, this hotel. That was enough, and they gave him the executive chef position. Oh my god! And he crumbled. Like I of should, course. we should do a part two because I want to tell you that story. I, we don't have a lot of time, but Jesus Christ, that tells you that nepotism literally doesn't work because he could not cut the mustard, dude. He yeah, couldn't. I could have bet. I could have bet that. I mean, like somebody who doesn't have the experience. There's not. There's just no way. A person who does not have that experience can fall backward into a, a position of and and like like I would maybe give the argument that if it was a new restaurant being built and that they could come up maybe but to step into a functioning restaurant and just take over with no experience that's there's I, that's impossible like and I, you need I, a solid chef can barely loyal to you that is going to like like take care of it and like pick up where you're dropping you know dropping the but. No one wanted this guy <laughs> because, like, dude, that was our captain, and you just canned our captain, and you oh, well, just brought too. this goofball in. The loyalty, like, yeah, you, that's a, that's a kitchen thing for sure, or just restaurant where everyone doesn't like the new guy, you know. But yeah, that that's in. I mean, I don't know how that that shows an experience from the top down to think that this person could step in and just function. I mean, you we know all the extra people even listening might just be thinking, well, it's about cooking. It's so much more than that. It's about the relationships with the vendors. It's about the ordering and understanding how to keep things maintained. You know, not running out of important things in the middle of a Friday night because you don't understand how the you know or ordering too much and having it all go bad and then having your costs go too high so you can't. You know, there's a thousand factors and it's a fluid, constant thing. You know, it's just it's it really is a respect. I have so much respect for people that work in any part of a kitchen or restaurant in general. You know, I, my experience was I started as a busser in some random restaurant and I went through every single thing. I was an expediter. I ended up going in some kitchens. It's kind of com combined where you're then the wheel in the kitchen. But then every position, you know, it's important to understand these things. On I want to run a restaurant at some point in my life again.
on, on the other end of the extreme uh, argument of the meritocracy, I'm just curious, how realistic is that there might be a restaurant that's like all AI run, right? Like they know what the patterns are and they know the flow that's coming in and, you know, they're just efficient to the point where you can take a top level recipe and they can execute it and deliver it over and over and over, you know, faster than a person could. Do you mm-hmm. think that's on the near horizon? Do you think that that's not really mm-hmm. an issue? That's inter- That's an interesting question with the inclusion of the food side of it. Like, first of all, taking the food out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's everywhere seems to be to like from a corporate perspective, it's going to save the money and they're not going to have to deal with all the bullshit of people and their complaints and what they care about. And my arm hurts and it doesn't matter anymore. Right. They can just jam that through. And not that I agree with that, by the way, that's just what they're doing. I think that's the we're sprinting in the wrong direction. Well, well, on the other end of that, too, though, is that now, like for for normal people, you could have like five star Michelin chef recipes are now accessible to you because you don't have to wait for a Michelin chef to Mm -hmm. come and cook it for you. They just upload their recipe into the machine and then the machine makes it. But that's the caveat. So so first thing I said is is without food, but then bringing the food into it. I I mean, this is a bit this is an interesting question. This kind of because the core of the debate around this stuff with AI, like can an artificial intelligence, can a computer make you know perfect can it perfectly emulate a a famous painting yes but can it make one of its own it's a debate right how can it be creative you know can it does it does it know when to like or or an example of other like uh you know airliners or thing or even the military for example can ai make human decisions in the moment when things don't go the way they're supposed to you know there's all these debates in food i just don't see how that's possible in the sense of you can get formulaic food, but that's all. That's what you get from the casual, at least what they strive for, consistency across the board. Yeah. But when you have something that's constantly changing, when there's nuance to it, when people ask for alterations and all this stuff, I personally don't think it's mm-hmm. possible. They'll do it, but there will always be the real one that people go, yeah, there's the chef over there. We want to go to that one. You know, that, that'd be my opinion anyway. It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, places like Chili's and places like Applebee's and things like that. Like you said, if it's a formulaic and that's the type of food you're going for and you want it to be the same every time, I think that there will be that. But there's always going to be a place for humans in the kitchen. And I think there's always going to be a need for humans in the kitchen for real food. Well, that's where a lot of really great chefs might be cutting their teeth too, though, right? So if AI takes you out of that ability to cut your teeth for the Chili's audience to work yourself up, it could kind of throw the dynamic off a little bit. There's always Waffle House. There is yeah, always yeah. Waffle, and they're not going to be putting AI in. Like that's that's part of the the ambiance, right? Yeah, but you know, I I do think that that's what will happen. I mean, these places strive for exact every single time for as long as possible. That's not that's not culinary, right? That's that's fast food in a casual setting. You know, people know that though if they think about it. But I'm interested to see where it goes, man, because you know, it, like just taking art for example, like can you know when will we see the first kind of like a unique art coming out of some kind of AI thing. And is that just being driven by humans? And, you know, where does the line fall? It's, it's a fascinating conversation, but I'll be honest, this stuff terrifies me. Yeah, it really does. Like how fast this is happening. It's, it's terrifying. So Ryan, uh, we're definitely going to have to do a part two. We're, we're hitting your, your heart out here. Uh, Throw your plugs one more time. Tell our audience where they can find you. Uh, The last American vagabond.com, the website, you know, and then just everything else is is all through that for the most part. But you can find us on every platform everywhere, you know, even the ones we're being censored on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and everything else. But checking out just the last American Vagabond.com, check out our, our Substack, TLAV, TLA Vagabond Substack, dot Substack.com. And then uh, in general, we have a, I want to give a shout out for a thing that's coming up. I, I'm not, I'm speaking there. I'm not technically running it, but it's called uh, Rebels with, uh, with Cause. 
And the link is all over my platform and so on. And you can get some tickets there. It's got an upcoming event in June. I highly recommend, recommend yeah. people check it out. It'll be fun. I'll be playing and, and speaking as well. So oh, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. Let's make sure we do it again. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thanks, guys. See man. All right, brother. You want to throw a plug out real quick, though? Yeah, yeah. We're still here. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's the Paranoid Pamphlet MK Ultra. I just got a new uh, shipment of these in. Uh, so you can edit at paranoidamerican.com. And uh, anytime anyone orders any of these, you get free postcards, free stickers, a whole bunch of extra stuff that I throw in just to thanks for being a supporter. So, yeah, please check that out. And you can Thank see you. it at mkultracomic.com. Love it, dude. Love it. That's fucking awesome. All right, man. Cheers. See you.